behind some of these scars, there's promises that were made, but that weren't kept. And when we look at our lives, that is something that has dictated a lot of how we've responded, reacted, how we find ourselves here even this morning. We find ourselves in this place where we're hurt. We don't feel like we can trust or believe promises that are made. We've been hurt by a spouse, by a friend, a parent, a sibling, a child, by a leader, maybe a political leader, maybe a spiritual leader, maybe a coach, a teacher. But there were promises made and they weren't followed through on. And so with my distrust and our distrust probably being at an all-time high, we're left to the reality that I still have to wake up the next day and figure out what am I going to do? What am I going to put my trust in? What am I going to choose to believe? What are the promises that are going to dictate and define the decisions I make? And you guys, what is behind that, that belief? What is behind uh, me uh, saying, I am going to follow you? It is hope. Behind every belief in a promise is hope. You guys, behind every activity, every priority that you have, every desire, behind it all is hope. It's literally the engine. It's, it's the heartbeat. It's, it's the thing that's driving your activities. And I'll tell you what, we got a lot of activities, don't we? And, 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 and so what we hope in, it shapes absolutely everything, Christian or non-Christian. Wherever you find yourself at this morning, this is a universal truth. And so what do we do? We put our hope in all of these things, right? We, we, we put our hope in our family. We put our hope in, in, in our, our, our marriage. Uh, we put our hope in our kids, our parents, our siblings, and we're very hopeful in those things, aren't we? Uh, we, we think of other things, uh, just, just relationships um, that, that we're in. Some of them are, are, are friendships, and we have a lot of hope that that friendship is going to be a great thing, that that's going to be somebody that I can invest in. That's going to be someone that's going to be there uh, for me. And if it's a dating relationship, you're obviously hopeful because you're still together. Right, but there's hope that, that, of what could be um, as a result of you and that other person. We think of jobs. We get up every day and, 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 and there's a job and, and we're hopeful in that. Now, and, and, and that, that's true whether you like your job or not. Because even if, if I'm in a job and I don't like it, there's things that I'm hopeful that it will bring. Maybe another opportunity or it will just cover my expenses. But we have hope in a job that it will deliver. There's accomplishments, right? There's things we want to achieve. And we're hopeful that if we can achieve that, if we can accomplish that, if we can get to this place uh, or this status, then this and this will happen in our lives as well. We look at money, right? We're very hopeful in money. We're hopeful that, that it will bring a freedom in my life. We're hopeful that it will bring a lifestyle that, that I can live. Uh, that, and, and, and so money is one of those things as well. Education. We're in an educated community. Uh, we're in a college town. And so a lot of us have invested a lot in our education and we're very hopeful in that education. 
could be a political party, a political leader that we've got our hope in and, 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 and we're hopeful in what they're going to bring. And then there's, there's spiritual leaders that we may have and, and, and we're hopeful that they're going to they're speak on behalf of God to us. They're going to model a life that reflects God's word and they're not going to be a fraud. Uh, they're they're going to be real with me and, and we're hopeful in that. You think of, of your health. You're very hopeful in your health, aren't you? You should be. Right, we're hopeful for that, and we take steps to try and be healthy, and 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 all of that. And you guys, when I think about this list, when I think about the things uh, that I'm hopeful in, that that dictate my day, that dictate the priorities of my day, you guys, these things aren't bad. They're not bad to have hope in, but we get into trouble when these things become our ultimate hope. Because misplaced hope is absolutely crushing our culture right now. And, 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 and as we think about misplaced uh, hope, um, what that leads to, because once again, misplaced hope, if my ultimate hope is in one of those things, it has to happen for me, doesn't it? There's no plan B. I'm all in for that. And that's going to determine and define uh, whether my life is valuable, successful, or worthy. And, and, and so this misplaced hope is, is crushing our culture because by us placing a priority on those things, we're coming to the realization that what those things aren't delivering that on that void that we have, are they? It's not delivering, and, and so what this leads to is all kinds of other problems in our life. It leads to all these physical, mental, emotional issues and illnesses that arise in our lives, and, and, and essentially when those things happen, guess what your body is saying? Hey, something's off. Something's wrong. That's an alarm system. That's, that's the check engine light. Now, for some of you, you've been ignoring your check engine light for years. So you're like, well, that doesn't work on me. You know, like, okay, good luck with that. Right? It's the smoke detector going off and it's telling you something's wrong. And what it's pointing to that's wrong is this. You're trying to control outcomes that you can't control. You guys, control is an illusion. It's not real. You, you cannot control your money. You can't. You can be wise, and I would encourage you to be wise and all that, but, but you can't control it. You guys, your health, you can't control your health. Story after story of people that are healthy that, 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 and they eat well and, and, and exercise and, and all the things that are right and then something happens, right? We, we can't control our health. We're reminded of that over and over and over again. Uh, success, and we're told all the time, right? Well, you create your own success. And if you just do this, success will happen. It will be a byproduct of that. There are so many things that have to happen for you to have success that are outside of your control. And so we can't control that. Uh, a relationship, uh, a marriage or a dating relationship, uh, you, you think you can control another human being to love you? Good luck with that. Okay? And, and, and so here we are. We're all in this space. And like I said, we're gathered here from different backgrounds, maybe different beliefs and all of that. And, and we're here and, and we're, we're a mess. And, and we're left with the question of this. What now? Like, what now? 
You guys, the resurrection is the foundation of Christian hope. It is the foundation of, Chris, of, of Christian hope. There was, a, there was a promise that was made hundreds of years um, before Jesus uh, was birthed into this world and came on uh, the scene. There was a promise made uh, as a result of humanity's rebellion. Okay? Now, when I say humanity's rebellion, uh, we go back to Adam and Eve, and, and we look at that mistake. They ate of the fruit. They shouldn't have done that. They were told, just don't do that one thing. And so they uh, said, oh, well, then I'm just going to do it. And they did it. And as a result, it brought the curse of sin and death into this world so that the effects of that decision we're feeling today uh, from from the birth of a child uh, to the struggles that we go through physically, mentally, uh, the mistakes that we find ourselves continually making, uh, the struggles that, that we, we, we keep having, and, and, and the things that we go, man, I wish I could stop saying that, but I keep falling into that. I keep making that mistake, right? They're all reminders of what? That, that I've got sin in me. There's rebelliousness inside of me. Unfortunately, I just don't fall into this awesome relationship with God. I continue to fall away. And so we're very aware of that. But what's so beautiful is we see uh, that um, God's response to humanity saying, hey, we got this. Thanks for making us, but we're good. His response is, I'm going to love you so much that I'm going to fix this. I'm going to create a way. And this is his response in Isaiah 25, 8. It says this, he will swallow up death forever and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces and the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth for the Lord has spoken. Man, that's amazing. So this is, this is literally written sometime between 740 and 680 BC, long time ago. And it's prophesied that God is going to make a way to reconcile humanity back to himself. And, and, and in fact, uh, in Isaiah 9, 6, he tells us a Messiah, a Savior is going to come. In Isaiah 9, 6, it says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And so he says, listen, a Messiah, a Savior is going to come to save all of you. And so Jesus comes into this world, born in the most humblest of ways as a little baby. And he comes to earth and fulfills this promise, doesn't he? He lives a perfect life, directed by the Father. And then Jesus made his own promises, didn't he? In Matthew 16, 21, Jesus says this to his followers. And this is later on in his ministry. He's generated a following. People are excited to see him, to witness the miracles that they've heard about. They hear he talks differently, all of these things, and they're there. And in Matthew 16, 21, it says, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Okay, so, so he's telling his closest followers. He says, listen, this has been great, but just so you know, I'm gonna suffer greatly. I'm gonna suffer and, and I'm gonna be killed by these religious leaders. 
And then on the third day, I'm going to be raised up from the dead. Now, his followers, like you and I would be, were probably just like, "Mm, I don't know about that. I love following you. I don't know about that one. In fact, Peter rebukes him for that. It's like, what are you saying? Stop it. You guys, Jesus is literally calling his own resurrection. Is that not amazing? You're like, yeah, that's, that's cool. Well, who, who, else, who else did that? Tell me. Jesus is calling his own resurrection, and we see shortly after that, towards the end of his 33 years on earth in the flesh, he was brutally tortured in a way that you and I can't imagine, and he was murdered. He was crucified on the cross, and that is what we reflected on on Good Friday. And I'll tell you what, after that moment, after seeing Jesus hang on that cross, and his body is mangled, it's beaten, and he is a mess, you guys, there is nobody that's sitting there that's watching that going, oh, he's coming back. He's coming back from that. No, you guys, nobody was anticipating the resurrection. And some of you need to hear that uh, this morning who are skeptics, right? You need to hear that because you're just like, oh, they just built up this thing and everybody was like, no, 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 no. Nobody was expecting it. In fact, the very people he said, hey, this is gonna happen. Guess what they were doing? They were hiding in fear. They were afraid. They saw what happened to Jesus. They're like, "Uh uh-uh. And, and, and they're afraid. They witnessed. They saw the torture. They saw him get put on the cross. There's no way someone's coming back from that. No way. And so, guys, hope is gone. Hope is dead at this point in their minds. It was a great run while we had him here. It was cool to witness all those things. But it's over. We saw him die. We saw him get buried. Like, 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 like it's done. And so, literally... Um, when we step into this scene and, and, and this moment, you guys, it, it is game over. In fact, the religious leaders are like, listen, just to be sure, because they might try and hijack his body because he had talked about resurrecting, let's put some Roman guards there. They were given permission. So there's Roman guards there. So what in the world's gonna happen? I'll tell you what's gonna happen. This whole Christian thing is gonna die, right? Well, Sunday morning came. And in Matthew 28, 1 through 10, in Matthew's account, it says this. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. I just love that. I don't know why. But the angel's just like, yep, I'm here. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards, Roman guards, trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. 
Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. Wow. Wow. So they'd witnessed the crucifixion. They'd witnessed he's been buried. It's, it, it's over. And then all of a sudden, here he is. Here he is. Now, now, if you've been to a funeral, you've never left a funeral going, I'll bet you I see them in a few days. It's over, right? It's done. And, and, and that's where they're at. And all of a sudden, there he is. He's back. And, and, and Jesus is there. And, and not only did this event happen, right? Not only did he appear to them. Uh, this is really important for you to know. But then over the course of 40 days, he kept appearing. At random times, in unexpected ways, in unexpected places, he continues to reappear. In fact, in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15, Paul talks about this. Um, I'll read verses 5 through 8. It says, And that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to uh, me. Now, you guys, this is huge. This, this wasn't just this random one appearance and then Christianity just explodes, right? This is over the course of 40 days. Jesus continues to reaffirm, I am real, I am back, I have defeated death. And there's, there's many, many people that, that get to see him, hundreds at one time. And when that is written there, it says some of you were there, right? So you, you were still alive. Man, it really makes it hard to go, oh, that didn't happen. Because from that moment on, Christianity did explode. It did take off. People, these people who witnessed and saw this were all willing to die for their faith when days earlier they were afraid of having any association with that faith. To the point where historians go, something happened, but Christianity exploded after this event. And so we see once again, promise fulfilled. See, you guys, the penalty of sin, it was on all of humanity. It brought about death. And Jesus had to go to the cross in order to cancel that debt. And so he willingly took that sin, that, that, that sentence, and took it upon himself. But you need to understand it's because of the resurrection that death has been defeated. He literally stared death in the eyes and said, yeah, you've got a pretty good record. I'm going to beat you. And he did. And so because of the resurrection, there's this new reality that you and I have the opportunity to, to, to live with today. There's this new uh, hope. And, and so when, when you sit here and you go, why is this such an important thing? Why are these Christians inviting me to church on Easter every stinking year? Why? You guys, this is why. We are now offered a new life, literally an opportunity to be born again, we read, a new life characterized by a living hope. In fact, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, it says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He says, born again. Listen, your first birth didn't work out so well, did it? 
You came out all nasty, all sinful, all this stuff. You were back talking, you were lying, all these things. And, 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 and so he, he goes, I love you so much that you are going to have the opportunity through the resurrection to have a spiritual rebirth. Okay, to, to, to literally almost have this like a do-over, right? Spiritually with him to where now um, the, 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 that sentence that I carried, uh, that, that sin that, that, that enslaved me, that's no longer the case because I've been born again through what Jesus did uh, on the cross and, and, and resurrecting from the grave by making a decision to surrender my life to him, to follow him. I have the opportunity to be born again to a new and living hope. Living hope. In other words, it continues. It's on every morning. It's new. It's rock steady uh, based upon his work, not mine. And it's for all eternity. There's not like a, a time limit on this living hope. It's alive. You guys, but here's the reality. All of this is only possible because of the resurrection. If the resurrection didn't happen, then all of this is for nothing. You know why? Because we're still in our sins if that didn't happen. That's what 1 Corinthians 15, 17 tells us. He says, your faith is worthless essentially if Christ hasn't raised from the dead because you're still stuck in your sins. And you guys, if that's the case, it actually says later in that chapter in verse 32, it says, well, then let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. So if the resurrection didn't happen, um, like, like, like if you don't have this living hope, you should be doing absolutely everything you can to get everything out of this life because it's all you've got. I mean, you should be experiencing everything. In fact, why are you even here wasting your time here? You should be exploring, doing everything, right? Um, but here's the problem, and this is where we find ourselves, right? For those of us who, who have placed our hope in these things, uh, we have experienced what? The state of the world is an absolute mess. And so I'm here, uh, you're here if you're not a believer. Why? Because the reality is this even though you know that this is maybe it and you gotta get everything out of it, you're here because you're just so frustrated because you're relying on the world for your success, for your happiness, for your hope. I don't have to sell you on that one right now, do I? It's a mess. Is that what you want? He invites you into a relationship with him through the power of the gospel. And the gospel is the finished work of Jesus is what he's done. And you guys hope in him. It doesn't disappoint. Why? Because he always fulfills his promises. By nature, he cannot lie. He cannot deny who he is. And you guys, there's another promise for you today that comes from the resurrection. There's another promise we read about. In fact, in John chapter 14, verses two through three, we, we see Jesus speaking to his followers and he says this. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. You guys, you, you catch this? 
You guess what he's promising here? He's saying, I'm going to come back for you. I'm coming back. So, so, we, so we look at the resurrection story and we're like, oh, this is cool. That's awesome for back then. I'm glad uh, that I get to experience that, that I get forgiveness for all that stuff I've done and the hope and this living hope thing. But, but where, you know, like, what does moving forward look like? Moving forward looks like this. He's coming back. He's coming back for us. Because he resurrected from the dead, death no longer has a final say. It's been defeated. He goes up to the Father and he, said, and he, and he promises, listen, I'm going to come back for you. Uh, there's multiple sections in Scripture that, that, that talk about this. And guess what? I'm going to read both of them. Because guess what? We're at a church and I can do that. And um, if you just found out we're at a church, I, you should be mad at your friend, not me. So I said, hey, man, let's go to this brunch thing. Okay, well, where is it at? Middle school. Um, Wow, this isn't brunch. Okay. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 17, we see Paul uh, talking to the resurrection, and, he, and, he's, and he's speaking to what happens next. And he's addressing people who were afraid that people that had already died, uh, who were Christians that had died, they wouldn't have an opportunity. And this is what he says. He says, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel. That sounds cool. And with the sound of the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first, then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Oh, and then Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 51 through 58. He says, behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Man, I love this. In the twinkling of an eye, in the moment, we're going to hear a loud noise. I don't know what that noise is like. I don't. It's going to be crazy. And there's going to be a trumpet that's going to sound amazing. And then just like that, we, who are Jesus followers, are with him. And not only are we with him, and he invites us then to go with him for all eternity, but guess what else he promises? New bodies. He says, listen, that thing that's just been sticking to you, that thing that's just stuck and it's just sagging more and more every day, that is gone. Now, some of you college students like, what are you talking about? Like, you know, uh, that's not a big deal for me. For the rest of us, we're like, yeah, new body. Amen? You say amen. Amen just means I agree. So you can just say that. You do. And college students, you will. 
a new body, eternal, perfect, flawless. He says, you're, you're coming with me. And so, you guys, you, th- you think about that moment. That time is coming where he's going to come back. Guys, I don't know when that time is going to be. There's a lot of people saying they do. There's a lot of predictions out there. But we do not know when he's coming back. But I, knew, I know one thing. His return either excites you or it terrifies you. And the reason it does one of those things is because when he comes back, that's it. That's it. And there's two potential outcomes, right? When I, when I think of my life today, there's two potential outcomes. Uh, there's either my death, and I don't know when that's gonna be, or there's his return, and I don't know when that's gonna be either. I, I have no idea when either of those things are gonna happen, but I do know that they could happen at any point in time. And the question that I have to ask myself, the question you have to ask yourself is, right now, what's your hope in? What is it in? What are the promises you're choosing to believe? And and, and the question is, have you been born again to this future hope, to a new hope? Because you guys, when you think about that decision, it's not just this, when is he coming back? When is he coming back mentality? No, it impacts you every single day when you get up. Every single day, you feel the reality that, that the sin, that weight, it's not yours to bear. It's been taken. And so every morning, you have the opportunity to not only understand and know that you have a savior that's coming back for you, but you also get to live every day in light of the reality that that there is eternity. This doesn't define me. What Christ did on the cross for me defines me. He loves me. And so this is going to struggle. My body's going to struggle. Relationships are going to struggle, but I can be confident in the living hope through the power of Jesus. And, 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 And if I have that, you guys, it impacts me every single day. This is not just this future thing. It impacts me now. You know, um, the Christian faith went, underwent amazing growth in the second and third centuries. In a period of about uh, 100 years, the church went from being 6 to 8% of the Roman Empire to almost 50%. And, and, and people go, well, how did this, how did this happen? Well, during this time period, uh, there were two great plagues that ravaged the Roman Empire. One was in 165 AD and the other was in 251 uh, AD. And and, and these plagues, they were awful. They devastated cities throughout the region. And at one point, uh, it was estimated that 35,000 people per week were dying in Rome. And and the thing that was tough is no one understood how the plague was being spread, but it was known that it could spread through contact. And and, and so what happened as a result uh, of that? Um, Everyone who could tried to get out of Rome. In other words, the wealthy, right? The wealthy were the ones, the ones that had a lot of wealth. They could afford to get out of Rome, to get away. Doctors were fleeing uh, Rome. And what we see is actually people like leaving their kids leaving family members behind to get out. But there was one group of people that didn't leave. It was the Christians there. And the Christians actually cared for their own. 
cared for their own family members. And, and not only that, the Christians actually then cared for those that didn't even believe in God. And they went and they cared for them and they loved on them. And, and, and it's like, wow, were they just so brave and courageous? No, they had a different worldview, historians point to. They had a different point of view when it came to what happens after death. And what they found out is the, 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 the mortality rate was cut in half by just having someone there physically with you, taking care of you. And so through this, all of a sudden, Christians are the ones that are, that are like having the highest survival rate. And not only that, uh, but then there, the, these people who have been taken care of by these Christians that just loved them through this, they're going, I wanna be a part of this. And they're putting their hope and faith and trust in Jesus. And all of a sudden, through all of this, Christianity explodes. Why? Just because of a different worldview when it comes to the resurrection that this life isn't it. And so this is a huge deal for us and it, and it deeply impacts and moves us in how we live today. Belief in the resurrection changes everything. Paul uh, tells us what the gospel is in, in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 15 in verses three and four. He, sa he says this, he says, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with scriptures. Okay, so he tells us what the gospel is. The gospel is what Jesus did on the cross, his death, his burial, his resurrection. That is the gospel message. And then in Romans 10, 9, it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, it says you will be saved. You will be saved. And so this morning, what you need to know, you need to understand and realize is that despite your background, despite your past, despite your struggles, despite your hypocrisy, despite the denials that you've had uh, in your life, there is a perfect, holy, and loving God who says, I love you. I sent Jesus to the cross for you. I want you to be part of my family. And I think the natural thing is like, well, you don't know my story. You don't know my past. Guys, this, this whole building right now, all the, it is full of broken people. I don't care how good we look today. And some of you look really good. I mean, you're like, I'm like, there you go. But don't let it fool you. We are broken people. We are mistake-filled people. We continue to do things we wish we wouldn't. But you guys, we can come, we can be excited, we can celebrate and worship because the gospel has covered all of that. And Jesus says, I love you, you're worth it. While you were still a sinner, I went to the cross for you, he says in Romans 5. He says, I am, I am here, I am in this, and I'm inviting you into a relationship with me. He took the penalty upon himself so that through his debt, he, death, he could pay off our sin and reconcile us to God. You guys, reconciliation is a change. It goes from enemies of God to family of God. And if I'm a part of the family of God, I have a new father, don't I? And I have a new house. I have a new residence. Philippians 3.20 tells me I'm now a citizen of heaven. 
And so I don't move forward being consumed by everything here that has to happen and work out in my favor. There's something greater, there's something bigger, and it's only because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so right now, I just want us to get to this place where we're asking ourselves, where are we at? And I want you just to imagine uh, for a second, you know, uh, whether you have an apartment uh, or, uh, or a house, and all of a sudden there, there's a knock on the door. Now, you guys, when there's a knock on your door, how do we respond when there's a knock on our door? I know, I, I know what I do. Right? You don't just walk up. You don't do that. You're scouting it out. Some of you got like eight cameras. You're like, I don't know. I don't know. They look for, you know, like we're scouting that out. Okay? We're like, who is, what do they want? What are they about? And, 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 you know, when you think about our, our house, our apartment, whatever it may be for you, and you think about like that as your life and who you are, Jesus is there. Jesus is that one that's knocking. He walks up and, and he knocks. And, and so here we are, right? We got Jesus at, at, at the door uh, knocking and, and, and I'm confronted with, with, with a reality, right? Like, like I, can, I can let him in, I can see what he's about, um, and, 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 and I, can, I, can, I can just kind of weigh this through. Like, what do I want to do here? And, 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 and so I open the door, and, and, and what I love is this, you guys. Jesus doesn't say, hey, I'm just here to tell you what I'm about, and so go for it. Like, you want to believe that? Believe it, right? He doesn't do that. You know what else he doesn't do? He's not like DoorDash. He doesn't just drop off the goods and leave, okay? Jesus says what? Can I come in? Can I come in? Can I come in? I love you. I wanna dwell with you. And at that point, the door's cracked a little bit, right? Just, but the chain is still intact. And you look back and you go, man, that's a mess. He ain't coming in here. And he goes, yeah, but your life is a mess, isn't it? My life's a mess. And so then I have a choice. Do I open it up? Do I let him in? Guys, that's the choice we have. And he doesn't want to come in and go, see, see that, see that. That's out of place. That's a mess. Boy, look at you. You're, you're, he, that's not his point, guys. He comes in for the purpose of saving you and bringing you into relationship with him to change your life in spite of your messiness, in spite of your past, in spite of your, your problems. And so I just, I can't plead with you enough, you guys. If you've never made a decision to receive him as Lord and Savior, receive him as Lord and Savior. He brings forgiveness, grace, mercy in your time of need. And he is here on Resurrection Sunday and he's knocking and he's saying, will you make a choice to let me in? I will change your life for all eternity. Do you believe? Do you believe? And if you do, you can let me in. 